Have you ever uh, met somebody before and you, you instantly made some judgments, some decisions about what that person was like? And then maybe later on, you got to know them a little better and you realized how off your original judgments were. How, how many of you have ever done that before for somebody? <clears throat> yeah, right? We, you know, it's kind of a pretty normal thing to do. For example, when, when Stacy met this guy named Jim Johnson in youth group, she, uh, she had some first impressions of him. Um, she thought, and I quote, that he was an intense, overly zealous Bible thumper. <laughs> she thought I was kind of scary. And then she got to know me, and I probably shouldn't have used this as an example, right? Because, okay, let, let me just stop. <clears throat> she was right. Her initial reactions, her initial judgments of me were actually quite precise and quite on the money because in my high school days, I was a bit zealous. And, um, and so she was right. However... Once she really, really got to know me, uh, several years later in college, she decided I wasn't quite as scary as she originally thought and married me, right? So, um, so, so, so we, we do that, right? All of us have, have you know, made decisions. We've, we've arrived at conclusions about people. Um, my, my point is simply this, that knowledge of someone can leave us with false or inaccurate information about who that person is or what they're like, right? And I wonder, I wonder if many of us have done this with the person of Holy Spirit. If you have been a follower of Jesus for very long, um, you have probably gained an appreciation for God the Father. Right? In fact, we were just singing a song about the Father, right? And, 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 and I understand even in this that depending on your own background and your own history with, you know, like dad and father, even that might be kind of a challenge. But maybe you've kind of worked through that and you've come to a place of, of understanding and, you, and you, you've perhaps come to that place where you understand how much the Father loves you and you understand the Father's forgiveness and, and, and the fact that... Um, that he claims you as his own. And, and so you have this kind of warm affection and sense of God as Father. Um, and, and just to remind you, you know, that we are understanding, although it's a little bit confusing at times to really kind of comprehend with our hearts and minds, but our understanding of God is that we serve one God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, right? And, um, and, and so many of us are comfortable. And then, and then it comes to Jesus, Right? And, and this is, um, Jesus is probably the one most of us are, are most kind of connected to and, and relate to a little bit more. And, and our theology of Jesus is this understanding that Jesus is fully God and fully human, right? And so there's this understanding, this greater understanding of who Jesus is because we can open up the Bible and we can read about his life and he walked and talked and engaged with people and, and we relate to all of those things and then we read towards the end of his life and what he did on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins and he rose from the dead and, and, and with Jesus it's just like yes 
right? We like, kind of understand, we relate to, he, he, he died for me, and it's like, I love Jesus. And then there is Holy Spirit. And for many believers, this is where we tend to get a little bit tripped up. It's like, Father, I get. Jesus, yes. Holy Spirit, huh? A little weird. Perhaps the Spirit seems so mysterious, so intangible, that you have drawn some conclusions about who the Spirit is without really getting to know who the Spirit is. I I think many of us kind of fall into that category. Maybe, in fact, you've read some things in the Bible about Holy Spirit. Sometimes when the Bible communicates that the Holy Spirit was present and the the events surrounding that are kind of freaky. And so you've read that and kind of gone, well, I don't know. It almost seems like Holy Spirit is like the weird uncle of the family, you know, or I don't know. Or, or maybe for some of you in this room, you have grown up in, a, in maybe a different church tradition, or maybe you, you knew somebody, you had some friends, and, 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 and maybe they had some different perspectives on the Holy Spirit. Or maybe, maybe there were some things that you've experienced and seen that were like negative in your life, and, and those things were attributed to Holy Spirit, and it kind of made you go, huh? I don't know about this. Father, yes, Jesus, but Holy Spirit. Uh, I don't know. But here's the thing. We cannot study the book of Acts and ignore Holy Spirit. Because we just began this series, walking through the book of Acts, and we cannot ignore Holy Spirit as we walk through Acts. So rather than rushing to conclusions about who the Holy Spirit is, I don't know what your experiences are, I don't know what your background is, I don't know how you feel about who Holy Spirit is, maybe you don't even know, or maybe you have some reservations, wherever you're at, can, can, we, just, can we just put those aside for a moment? And rather than draw some conclusions, why don't we get to know who Holy Spirit is? And, and that will help us understand the things that we read about in Acts and what the Holy Spirit is doing, and why. Okay, can, can, can you do that with me? Because I think it's important for us. Over the, next, over the last three weeks, rather, we have been looking at the events of Acts chapter 1. We're in this new series called Family Spirit, and, and for three weeks we've been looking at chapter 1 of Acts, and in chapter 1 it, it's all about um, you know, Jesus' final days with his disciples and the last words that he speaks to them. And what we've learned in these last three weeks is that Jesus' primary message to them was, wait. Right? Pastor Bryce did an awesome job last weekend talking about this idea of waiting. Wait for the empowering of the Spirit. And then you will be able to follow me and to do the things I've asked you to do. But first, you need to wait. And what we learned last week is that Jesus' followers did exactly what Jesus asked them to do. They waited. Something's going to happen. We don't know what. But we're going to receive power to do what Jesus has asked us to do. And we don't know when. And so they waited. Now, they had no idea how long it would be. Will this be a day? Will this be a week? Will this be a month? Will this be a year? 
But in God's providence, they only had to wait 10 days. And on the 10th day after Jesus departed was the day of Pentecost. This was an annual Jewish feast that that was held in commemoration of the first fruits of the wheat harvest. And it was also a time to remember the giving of the law to Moses. Again, this is something that happened annually. This is part of, of the spiritual celebrations of the nation of Israel, the day of Pentecost, the celebration of the first, you know, the, the, the first fruits of our wheat harvest, remembering the giving of God's law. And it was on that day that their waiting ended. And if you have a Bible with you, I want to encourage you to open it up to the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 1. And here's what God's word says. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there was from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Like I told you, some of the things you read and you go, wow, that feels a little out there. Now our theme for the last three weeks has been wait, just wait. And we're going to continue on that theme this morning and we're going to wait to talk about this passage until next week. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I was planning on talking about this today. Uh, It was in the schedule to do so. However, last week, um, some of us were a part of a a conference uh, that our district has put on, and kind of, it's called the Deeper Life Academy, and just kind of learning some things. And and on one of those days, uh, we were being taught about the person of Holy Spirit, and uh, after that session, uh, both uh, Tim and myself came out, and we're both thinking the same thing. We need to add a new message before Pentecost, before we get to this passage. Because if we don't really understand who Holy Spirit is, then we might not understand what's going on here. And so we have inserted what I'm talking about today. It's brand new. And, um, and then next week. So let's wait. Just wait. <laughs> a little longer. I want to pause for a moment here to consider the significance of what happened at Pentecost. And I think it's important for us in these moments this morning to seek to get to know the Holy Spirit a little bit more. Whatever your history is, whatever your understanding is, whether it be a lot or a little, can we just get to know the Spirit a little bit more today? And it will give us insight and understanding into not only what he does at Pentecost, but what he does through the book of Acts. So what I want to do is take a look at Holy Spirit, and specifically the work of Holy Spirit. And we're going to kind of look at that in three different areas. First, the work of the, of, of the Spirit prior to salvation. Okay? I don't know if you knew this or not, but Holy Spirit begins working on you long before you trust Jesus for salvation. So for those of you who are in here today, that you've come to faith in Jesus, I don't know if you knew this or not, but long before you came to that place, Holy Spirit was working to draw you to him. 
was already at work. You didn't even know it. You weren't even probably aware that that was what was happening or that's who that was, but Holy Spirit was already working. We see this in John chapter 16, verse 7. It says this, Jesus is speaking, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, Jesus' name for Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The Spirit has a role in making us aware of sin and making us aware of our need for a Savior. You know, that's not just something that you came up with, but there is something that's going on behind the scenes before a person ever comes to faith in Jesus that is making you aware that something's wrong, something's missing, something's not right in my life. That is the work of Holy Spirit. It is this internal sense that I'm becoming spiritually aware, that I'm aware that something's wrong in this world, something's wrong in my life, and something is missing. Have you ever felt that? Have you sensed that as Holy Spirit was working on you? I have a friend who, he doesn't know it right now, but Holy Spirit is drawing him, is working in his life, revealing his need for a Savior. I know this because every time we get together and talk, he's got spiritual questions for me. And not, not questions about Jesus in per se, or, you know, but, but just like spiritual questions. There's something inside of him that's saying, there's something going on out there, and I don't know what it is. And he knows I'm a pastor, and so he's asking me all kinds of spiritual questions every time we talk. Well, what about this? What, what, what's the greatest spiritual experience you've ever had? What, what, ask me all kinds of questions. And Hey, this happened to me. Do you think that that's real? And Last time we were talking, he said to me, you know, Jim, everything is really great in my life right now. Like just my, you know, my personal life and my relationships and my, my work. But it just feels like something's missing. And I thought, yes, it is. And what you don't know, my friend, is that the reason you feel that way, the reason you're thinking that way, is because Holy Spirit is drawing you, is making you aware that something's wrong, something's missing in my life, and I just know that soon he's going to come to an understanding of who Jesus is. So I wonder, even in a time like this, in a place like this, I wonder if there's anyone here right now. The Spirit is working to draw you. You haven't yet come to a place of faith. Maybe, maybe you don't even know why you're here. You're here and you're like, I don't even know. Like, I'd never go to church. For some reason, I ended up here. Talked to somebody yesterday. That exact story. It's like, man, I have no background, no history with this whole church thing. In fact, I made fun of people who believe this stuff. 
But all of a sudden, I found myself praying and found myself longing for something. And I found myself here in church one day. And so I wonder, who right now is the Spirit drawing, revealing there's something inside that feels a little uncomfortable, that like something's wrong, there, there must be something else. I want you to know that that's the work of the Spirit. Doing that because you are loved. You are loved. Now, for those of you who do know Christ and you've, you're followers of him, are you aware of where the Spirit is drawing people in your life? Like, are you looking? Are you aware of that? Because here's the deal. He asks you to partner with that. You can't save anyone. But he does ask you to partner and pray for those people and to be available to perhaps be his mouthpiece or to love them. And so would you just ask the Spirit to help you be aware because he's working. You don't even know. You don't even see it. But people who haven't yet even come to Christ, Holy Spirit is already working. That's one of the things Holy Spirit does. Before, prior to salvation. Here's the second thing, the work of the Spirit at salvation. Holy Spirit is at work when a person crosses from spiritual death to spiritual life. That is a moment that we call regeneration, which is a theological term for spiritual Rebirth, taking something that was dead and making it alive. See, at the moment a person receives the good news about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and trusts Jesus for their salvation, their forgiveness, and right standing with God, the Holy Spirit's power in that very moment brings new life. Here's how the Bible describes it in Titus chapter 3, verse 4. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. When that happens, Holy Spirit revives our dead spirit and then enters in to reside as a constant reminder that you are a child of God. Romans chapter 8 says that. Now, if this is a little bit hard to understand, let me, let me give you sort of a, maybe a, an image of maybe how this works. Now, there's all kinds of like, you know, debate as to, you know, how are we made up? Are we body, soul, and spirit? Are we body, soul, spirit? Anyways, let's not get up and get, get into that. What we do understand is this, that we have, you, I hope you understand, we have physical bodies, right? That God has created us in these physical bodies. And, and because of that, we have our senses. And so you could call that our sense consciousness, right? We are, we are conscious of the world around us through our senses, our body. Now, we also have a, a, a mind, we have emotions, we have will. Uh, some refer to that as our soul. And that would be considered like our self-consciousness. Like, I, I, I'm conscious of myself, of what's going on in me and around me, my self-consciousness. And then here's what's unique about creation, is God made us in his own image. And part of that image of God that he created us is he created us with a spirit. And that is our God-consciousness. That is that, that fact that we have been created with a spirit is how we can relate to and have relationship with God. 
It's created us with the Spirit. And here's what the Bible tells us, is that when sin entered the human equation, that what followed that was death. And what died, you go, well, well wait a second. Like, when, you, when you're reading the Bible, it doesn't say like Adam and Eve like immediately died. No, because it was speaking of a spiritual death. And what happened was the Spirit died or was marred because of sin, breaking that ability to have relationship with God. And so when a person comes to faith in Christ, what happens, the Holy Spirit has this incredible role of entering into your dead spirit and bringing it to life and then residing there in your spirit as a constant reminder that you are his. That's one of the things the Spirit does. Just pause for a moment. Now it's very interesting because scripture gives us a glimpse of this happening for the very first time. And it occurs after Jesus has died on the cross, he's risen from the dead. And he is appearing to his disciples. And for the first time, they like see Jesus and they believe you are Jesus. You're the Savior. And he's already died, paid the penalty for their sin. He's risen from the dead. And in John chapter 20, verse 21, here's what it says. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. At that moment, the disciples received Holy Spirit in a very similar way as you and I do when we come to faith in Jesus. That you receive the Spirit. Your dead spirit is made alive, regenerated, and resides in you. And so in that moment, these followers of Jesus received the Spirit in them. Residing in them as a reminder that you are a child of God. So let me just be really crystal clear, because some of us, you know, based on your background or what you've heard or whatever, I just want to be really clear here. That if you have come to faith in Jesus, you have the Spirit. Okay, you need to hear that. Because, because I, I've been, and I've had conversations with people and people, you know, different kind of, you know, backgrounds or whatever said, oh, you don't have the Spirit. No, no, no. If you are in relationship with Jesus, if you are saved, then the Bible is clear. You have the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit dwells in your spirit, making you alive as a constant reminder, never to go away, that you are his child. However, The Spirit's rule does not end at salvation. One more thing. The work of the Spirit post-salvation, after you come to Christ. Holy Spirit does many things in the life of a believer. In fact, Jesus talks about this. He teaches about this in the books of John chapter 14 and John 16. We don't have time to go through all of that this morning. But to just summarize it, Jesus says this about Holy Spirit as a believer. The Holy Spirit will be your helper, will be your teacher, your guide. It also speaks of the Spirit being your comforter and your guarantee that you're his. 
Holy Spirit will be your helper. Now, I don't think many of us like to admit that we need help. So I just want to do something right here for a moment. You don't have to do this out loud if you don't want to, but at least would you say it right where you're sitting? Could you do this? Just say this, I need help. Some of you are going, I'm not saying that. I don't need help. Yes, you do. So do I. Jesus said, listen, I'm leaving, and, I, and, and if you're going to follow me, if you're going to do what I did, if you're going to do what I've called you to do, then you can't do this on your own. So I'm going to give you a helper because you need help. My spirit will help you to live this life and to do what I've asked you to do. 2 Corinthians 1.21 says this, And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. He's given us his spirit as a guarantee that I'm his. John chapter 14, verse 16, And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. One of the roles of the spirit after you've come to faith in Christ is that he will be your helper. You can't do this on your own. Another role that we see of the spirit in the life of a believer is this amazing thing called, here's a big word, sanctification. Right, which is just another uh, kind of theological word that speaks of our holiness. See, when you are saved by God's grace and forgiven of your sin, the Bible says that you are made holy. That's how you can even have relationship with God who is holy. We are sinful. You are forgiven and cleansed of that and made holy so that you can have relationship with God. You are holy. That is your position in Christ. And the Spirit continues to work in you to bring about right living, enabling you to say no to the things that you now don't want to do, that you used to do. And now that you've been enabled to do that. And, and so there's this amazing reality that you are holy, because of, not because of you, not because of me, but because of Christ. You are holy, and you are being made holy through Christ. To look like in daily living who you have been made to be in Christ. You are holy. It's a process of sanctification. It's a positional reality, and it's a progressive process in your life. Galatians 5 says it this way. Verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit... And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Let me read that again. Because I don't know about you. <laughs> I struggle with this whole satisfy the desires of my flesh. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do, right? There's this battle that happens and this process of sanctification is God's gift to you by his spirit to help you say no, to no longer gratify those desires that you once did without even thought. 
another thing the Holy Spirit does is this. The Holy Spirit works in the life of a believer by filling us with his presence and his power. By filling us. And that's exactly what's happening in the book of Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. The disciples had already received Holy Spirit, John chapter 20. And his final word to them was, wait, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And what we just read was, on that day, they were all filled with the Spirit. Now you go, well, wait a second, if they already have the Spirit, how are they being filled with the Spirit? That's, I don't get that, right? Here's the thing. Remember what happens at salvation is the Spirit comes into your dead spirit and resides there, right? And lives there. And there is a constant need to be filled. And the way I picture this, just in that picture we had on the wall, is Holy Spirit resides in my spirit and in my body and in my soul and my thoughts and my will. I need a continual filling of the spirit of power to live this life. What happened, please hear me, what happened on the day of Pentecost was not a one-time experience, but the first of many times of filling and empowerment. The Bible is abundantly clear that as a follower of Jesus, you have the Spirit in you, and you need to constantly be filled with the Spirit and His power to live this life. We need the filling of the Spirit. Acts chapter 4. Acts 2, we already read it. The day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit comes and fills these believers, right? Two chapters later, chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. That would be cool. Some of you are going, no, it wouldn't. <laughs> and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Wait a second, I thought they were already filled. Hmm. Yeah? Two chapters earlier they were, and now they were filled again. And what's the result of that? And they were speaking with boldness. Chapter 8, we see the same thing again. Chapter 13, verse 52. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Wait, again? Yes. See, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says this, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, or that is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. In the Greek, when this was originally written, the word that is translated be filled is in a tense that's, that, that communicates this. Be filled and filled and filled and filled over and over and over again. Be continually filled with the Spirit. Now you go, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Spirit resides in me if I'm a follower of Jesus, and I'm called to be filled over and over again by the power of the Spirit why do I need to be filled over and over again? And, and here's the best thing I can come up with. Because I think we leak. I don't know if that's like a theological truth, but I think it's a, like a practical truth. Evidently, they experience the filling over and over again. And the Bible says be continually filled because I think that what, what is being filled, it's not... It's not that sense that I am a child of God. It is the filling of the power of living day-to-day -day life with Jesus. We kind of live that out in, 
in our bodies and in our thoughts and in our will. And we need God's strength to do that. And that leaks. And so we need to be filled again and again and again. We need to be filled over and over with the, with the Spirit's presence and power because, listen, we do not have what it takes to live the Christian life, to follow Jesus. We can't do it on our own. We need his strength for daily life. I don't want my voice to drop out here. Here's the lie that many people have bought into. Is that once I was saved, right, I came to faith in Jesus. I'm I'm good to go when I die. But between now and then, I just got to work harder to make myself better. That's the lie that many, many people, many, many people will say, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've come to faith in Jesus. And yet you've lived your entire life just trying to pull it together to become better, to, to stop doing that, to stop giving into that temptation over and over again. I gotta figure this out. I gotta do this on my own. It's a lie that says you can. So in a sense, what we can do is we can say yes to Jesus, but no to his gift of ongoing power to live this life. Oh, I said yes to Jesus. And you have the spirit living in you saying you are a child of God. But if you never tap into the spirit's power and filling to live this life, it will be powerless. And you will feel powerless. And you'll wonder, why isn't there greater change going on in my life? Like, how come I feel like basically the same as I was 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago? I'm trying, God, but nothing seems to be changing. How come in my life I'm not seeing the kinds of things that we read about in the book of Acts? And I'm convinced that the reason why is because some of us perhaps have pushed the Holy Spirit off at arm's length and said, oh, huh, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm a little freaked out. So I'm just, I'm just here with Jesus and the Father. They love me. I've been forgiven. I'm his. And I'll take it from here. And that is not the life that he has for you. Are you saved? Yes. But don't you want more than that? The only way you're going to be able to follow Jesus is in the power of the Spirit. And that is readily accessible to you if you're a follower of his. We just need to ask. Be filled over and over and over by the Spirit. As I say all of that, maybe you're sitting here this morning and and honestly, you just go, I was not aware. I didn't even know. Like I didn't even know that I had access to power to live this life and I didn't have to try to do it on my own. Maybe you had no idea. Now you do. Now you know. Holy Spirit is a person. 
that was working in you before you ever came to Christ, was at work in you, making you alive when you came to faith in Jesus, and it still wants to work in you to live this life and to fill you and to give you power. Now you know. Some of you, the reason you haven't really tapped into that is because you've been afraid. You have seen or heard things that are attributed to the Spirit, maybe even misuses that you've experienced or seen, and it has made you skeptical and fearful of Holy Spirit. And listen, I get it. Listen, I get it. Now, I'm going to share this story more fully in the weeks to come, but let me just give you a little snippet of it. Because God did something in me last week a healing in me after 35 years of having this, what I have always viewed as and always felt as a negative experience with Holy Spirit 35 years ago. And there were negative things. There was even what I would refer to as some misuse of spiritual authority in my life. And there was pressure put on me to experience the filling of the Spirit in a specific way, and it wasn't happening, and there was guilt and shame and all kinds of things over me. And it was intense. It was probably the most challenging time in my spiritual life that I had experienced. <clears throat> in the middle of that, in the middle of all of this pressure and these kind of wrong things about Holy Spirit, It all got kind of mixed together. In the middle of that, Holy Spirit met me in a very special way. But because of all that had happened around that, I have for the last 35 years looked back on that with shame and embarrassment and not even spoken of it really. Because I look back on that and I've always just said, oh, that was bad, that was bad. That was a bad experience. That was a negative thing. I'll tell you more about that later, but let me just tell you what happened last week. We were down at this conference, heard some teaching about Holy Spirit at the end. We just had a time of response and just saying, Spirit, I, I, and I was just praying, saying, Spirit, I, I want a fresh filling, empowering of you, because I, I know I can't do this on my own. And I, and I was literally just praying like this. Uh, you know, we're holistic. We have our bodies, and sometimes our bodies can be in a position of, of like, um, acceptance and of I want to receive and times were like this. Okay, this is not the position of I want to receive from you, right? Or this. So I was just physically like this, just going, I, you know, that's kind of a universal sign of like, okay, I'll, I'll receive. And I was just praying and I said, Holy Spirit, I, would you fill me afresh? And then let me just let you in on what my prayer was in my head. I said, and Holy Spirit, I don't want this to be negative. And what I was thinking about was that event that happened 35 years ago. I said, God, I don't want that. I don't want anything that, 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 that um, is bad or wrong or negative. And all this shame and embarrassment was coming up in my heart, in my soul as I was praying, saying, I just want to be filled, but, but it better not be negative. And as I was praying that, I sensed the Spirit of God speak to me and say, Jim, did I meet you in the middle of all of that? Yes. You did. 
okay, Jim, then, then why for the last 35 years have you referred to that as bad, wrong, negative? Did I meet you? Yes. Would you stop? Would you stop calling it that? What if you thanked me for meeting you in the middle of all of that? And it was like instantaneously I was set free from something that has been holding me down spiritually for the last 35 years. And it was like, I just, and I wrote in my journal, I just said, never again am I going to think back on that moment with negativity and say it was bad. But Jesus, Holy Spirit, you met me. And I thank you for it. And for the first time, I was thankful for something that I've always been embarrassed about, ashamed of, and fearful because of. And this is why. Because sometimes we wrap up wrong, legitimately wrong things that people do, and we attribute them to the Holy Spirit. It wasn't Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit did nothing negative and nothing wrong. I just need to separate those and realize. Because here's the thing. Holy Spirit is God. And so that means everything Holy Spirit does is motivated by love and is covered in grace. It is good. And you can trust him. So if you're afraid, I get it. But you can be set free from that fear. And embrace the spirit who wants to fill you afresh with power to live this life. So let me ask you something. Are you hungry? Are you hungry for that? Is there something inside you even now as we're talking that, that there's this thirst, this desire? Yes, that's what I want. That's what I need in my life. I pray that that's happening in you because we've been praying for you that you would sense the Spirit drawing you to a fresh filling as a follower of his. And the interesting thing as we read in the Bible is this, is that sometimes the Spirit, as we read, filled people, empowered people individually. And there were other times that we read about when he did it all together in a group of people. A whole group of people said, I want to be filled with you, Holy Spirit. And he, he did. A whole group of them all at once. Over and over again. You see, I think that where we can go wrong when it comes to Holy Spirit is, on one hand, we can say, hey, this, this only happened once. It doesn't happen anymore. Holy Spirit doesn't do that kind of stuff anymore. Stay away. Or we can say, Holy Spirit, you have to do it this way. And it has to look like this. Both are wrong. Yesterday, Stacy and I were in here in this room praying for you and praying for this very moment that Holy Spirit would meet you, would fill you afresh. And, and while we were praying, Stacy reminded me of a passage in 2 Corinthians 3.17 that says this, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And some of us in this room need to be set free from fear of Holy Spirit. And I pray that today you'll be set free from that fear. 
Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And you know what casts out fear? Perfect love. And you know where perfect love comes from? God. And Holy Spirit is God. I pray that today you will have your fear cast out. Maybe you have fears because of beliefs or experiences. And today I pray you'll be set free. Some of us need to be set free from performance. You are living and you have bought into the lie that I have to perform. And I am trying so hard, Jim. I'm working at this thing, but it's not working out for you, is it? And, and I pray that today you'll be set free from that need to perform. And you'll be able to say, I can't do this. Holy Spirit, I need you to do this in me. I need your power. I need you to fill me. Some of you need to be set free from the need to control. Because you hear about Holy Spirit and you, your, your control instincts come in and go, oh, oh, oh. Nothing's going to happen that I don't control. Really? You need to be set free from the delusion of control. You need to be set free from the delusion of control. What if you were to just release and trust yourself to the one who is in control? Holy Spirit. Some of you maybe need to be set free from shame around the person and the work of Holy Spirit. And I pray that today you will be. One final thing I want to say, and that is this. We've talked about Holy Spirit and, and, and the things the Holy Spirit does. And many of those you can even refer to as the gifts the Holy Spirit gives. And we can get so caught up in that, and we can miss the whole message I've just shared today. And that is this, I just want your gifts. I want you to help me. I, I want you to comfort me. I want you... To, and we want all the gifts. And listen, it's not about the gifts. It's the person. That's who you want. Holy Spirit. As a parent, you know, a child comes. And do they want you or do they want the candy in your hand? Right? No, no, no. Please don't come to Holy Spirit and say, I just want what you have to give. It's I want you. And when I have you, I have all that you have to offer. Listen, what happened in Acts chapter 2 was not a one-time event, but the first of many times that the Spirit filled and empowered his people. And we need his power. We need his filling. I do today. The bands are going to come out here, and they're going to lead us in a song, a couple of them. And as they do, I just feel like today is a day to respond. And there's a couple ways that I see we could respond. One is, and perhaps some of us, our first response needs to be a response of confession. To come to Holy Spirit and say, I confess that I've, had, I've pushed you out away. I, I confess that I've had some wrong perspectives. I jumped to some conclusions about you before you even got to know you. I confess that. Maybe you need to confess your, your fears or maybe you need to confess today your performance. 
I need to confess that I tried to do this on my own and not tap into your power. Forgive me. So I think the response for some of us is just to begin with confession. In fact, oftentimes as we see a work of God in our lives, it begins with confession and humility. And then I believe that we need to follow that with a prayer of asking. Be filled with the Spirit and so ask to be filled with the Spirit. And so we're going to end this service today in a time of asking. Not asking for some specific thing to happen, but asking for the person of Spirit to fill us with His power and His presence today. Do you, do you long for that? I do. Would you stand up with me? Here's what's going to happen. We're going to sing a song called Holy Spirit and just inviting Holy Spirit to move and work in, in this place today, in us. And I just happen to believe that there are times in our spiritual journey where it's just helpful for us to step out and say, this is what I want, to indicate that this is what I want and I desire. And so I'm going to invite you, if you have been sensing, even in this service, the Spirit speaking to you and saying, is this what you want? Because you can't do this on your own. You need a fresh filling of His power and His ability to live this life. Then I would invite you, because I'm the first one to respond. I'm the first one to just stand here this morning and say, I need a fresh filling of Jesus' presence and His power. And if that's where you're at as well, I want to invite you to come down here and stand with me as we sing this song. And then I want to pray over us that Holy Spirit would do exactly what we're asking, that he would fill you afresh with his power and his presence. So as we sing, if you want to respond, I invite you to come with me.